And open your Bibles, if you will, today to the book of Colossians in chapter number 4. Colossians chapter number 4 is where we want to be. Colossians chapter 4. And um, we'll begin, I'm just going to read a couple of verses of Scripture today and then get right into our message. Colossians, uh, actually chapter 3. Go to chapter 3 is where we want to be. Colossians chapter number 3. And uh, I want to read with you verse number 18 and 19. Colossians chapter 3, verse 18 and verse 19. And they're dealing with how a husband and wife relate to each other within the home. I find out today that our homes are oftentimes dysfunctional, not only because we don't know how to construct a home life that's pleasing to God from a biblical viewpoint, But so many times it's because of a lack of communication between the husband and wife. There's more of a a gap as far as, as communication is concerned than any other thing. Verse 18, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Verse 19, husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Now, I've said this before, and I'm going to pray, and and, and then we'll get into the message, but I've said this before, and that is that in those two assignments, and then you can read down where it says, children obey. So really, in in all three assignments, God hands out the more difficult assignment. It's it's, it's harder for a woman to, to even pronounce the word submit as to really do it. Me submit to him, well, he's a sinner, so I, I don't want to submit to him. And we struggle with that assignment. And it's because it's the harder assignment. If God had said to the woman, woman, love, that's not tough for her because women are nurturing and are born with love. He says to the man, doesn't say submit. Men find that, for the most part, easier to do. That's why in the military, men have charged across fields where certain death waited on the other side, but they did so because they were ordered to do so. He gives a harder assignment to the man, and that is to love. Men aren't lovers of others. When he says, this is really radical. When he says, love your wife, it's like, what? I mean, in this culture, in this day and age, that's not what happened. It wasn't a love thing. It was more of a possession thing. And so he says here, love your wife. We love ourselves. Man, it's quiet. It's amazing. We love ourselves, but it's hard for us to love others. Now, come on. By nature, we enter into this world loving me, loving ourselves. And so God gives the harder assignment. And in order for us to get to the place, I think, where we're able to fulfill in our homes what God wants us to do, we have to be willing to communicate. Let's pray. Father, help us. Give us what we have need of today. I pray that you would speak to our hearts. Do for us and in us in this service. Bless those that listen on live stream and and bless those that are here. And God, do, do what only you can do with your word today. And we'll thank you and give you praise for all of it. In Jesus' holy name, I pray these things. Amen. It's interesting when a young couple gets married um, to hear the remarks that people make about that union. They know the couple, they see the couple, and they come to conclusions about the success of that marriage and the enduring 
quality of this union because of certain factors. They'll say things like, you know, well, they both come from good families. Well, that's, that's, a, that's a good thing. Or they both, but you know what, they, those two, they've got so much in common. I just believe they're going to do great because they just, they like the same things and they enjoy doing the same things and they do it together. That's a great thing. Sometimes somebody will say something like, they're such solid, they're such a solid Christian couple. And so sometimes we take those type things and and, and by the way, they certainly can contribute. Those are good things that can contribute to a um, happy uh, and successful marriage. But I do believe that there's another factor that almost above all others can make or break a marriage. And if it's neglected, the union will be a miserable one, even if it does survive. And, and so it's something that's, that's, that's very important. I think that I think that if you ask most happily married couples, if you find somebody that's had an enduring relationship, been married for any length of time, if you ask them, they will say to you, um, uh, we communicate, we talk, we connect, we discuss, we spend time dealing with issues and talking to each other. Now, unfortunately, and this is a sad part of my ministry, but over the years since I have been in the ministry, I have counseled with a number of divorced couples, and one of the things that led to uh, their breakup was a breakdown in communication. They stopped talking to each other. For one reason or another, the communication between the two of them broke down. Now, here's what the headlines read. The headlines read, Infidelity. Irreconcilable differences, financial irresponsibility. That's what the headlines read. But if you dig deeper and find the smaller print there, what you're going to find is simply this, poor communication. So many times behind the bigger headline issues, the things that led to those headline issues was there was not a connection and a communication from heart to heart. And they literally became strangers within their very own marriage. I think, I think many couples, when they walk down the aisle and they, they, they get to the wedding altar and they, they have the idea that when I say I do, okay, I do, I do, okay, when you do that and you live under the same roof and you eat at the same table and you sleep in the same bed, that that automatically, uh, that automatically creates a growth in intimacy. And when I'm talking about intimacy, I'm talking about two people that are close together. And because, we, because we did this, because we committed ourselves, and because we, we're, we're, we're cooking, the, eating at the same meals, and we're living in the same house, and we're sitting on the same sofa watching the same programs, okay, sleeping in the same bed, guess what? Our marriage has great intimacy and closeness uh, forever. But I want to just tell you, if you're not communicating, listen carefully, all you're doing, all you're doing is occupying adjoining space. If, if you're not communicating, you're living in the same house, eating at the same table, sleeping in the same bed, sitting on the same sofa, watching the same stuff, under the same roof, but you are just occupying space. 
next to each other. That's all, that's all you're really doing. And in reality, listen, and in reality, you're growing apart. You're growing apart. I know people that's communications has stopped, and all of a sudden, like three years later, they're like, Pastor, what happened? I'm here. She's here. We're, we're, it seems like we're all of a sudden worlds apart. It's not all of a sudden. You're, you're not all of a sudden worlds apart. You just finally woke up after non-communication and found yourself worlds apart. Real communication, listen to this. Please don't miss this. Wow. Please listen to this. Real communication involves the heart as much as it does the ear and the mouth. Real communication involves the heart as much as it does the ears and the mouth. We have to communicate and connect with our heart. And so just because people are talking, just because they're talking, does not mean that they're actually communicating. Okay? Does, does it mean that? doesn't mean that at all. Sometimes it's more than just words. So, you know what? Let me, let me say this to you. Sometimes it's not just words. It's how words are said and the tone uh, in which they're said and the expression uh, that they're given and, and even the posture. If I say to Nathan, well, man, I'm glad you're here today. Well, that makes him know that I'm glad he's here today. If I say to him, well, I'm glad you're here today. Same words, different posture. Different expression, different tone. So sometimes it's not what we say, but it's how we convey what we're trying to communicate. It's, it's, the, tone, it's the tone in which we're talking to each other and, and how we're saying. And so, by the way, twisted communications led to the downfall of the first family, did it not? Absolutely. Adam and Eve fell apart, and a lot of that was communication. Eve didn't believe what God communicated to her. She communicated falsely to Adam. She listened to the, to the, to the lies of Satan, and it all was wrapped into communication in a tangled web. First of all, let me talk with you about the things that hinder marriage communication. All right, let me get real practical for a moment. Let me talk with you about some things that hinder marriage communication. First of all, their schedule. Okay, there's the, there's the beast, all right? It's the beast we call schedule. And sometimes, sometimes that hinders uh, our ability to communicate because we live in a, in a very busy world that, that never seems to slow down. And sometimes we're actually, it seems as though, we're forced to choose between schedule and, and marriage and our spouse and the person we made a covenant to. Now, I like what Bob Jones Sr. used to say, duties never conflict. And if you'll, if you'll boil this down, it doesn't. I understand there's sometimes in your schedule you have to do certain things, but I think that sometimes we bow down to and enslave ourselves to schedules that, that God never intended us to, to, uh, uh, to commit to. And the busyness, the busyness can create a communication vacuum if we're not careful where we're running uh, uh, one way and she's running the other way and we don't have time to really stop and connect and, and, and do that. Schedule. If we're not careful, that'll, that'll drain your time, it'll drain your energy, it'll drain your, your emotions. And I think that too many couples have sacrificed their relationship on the altar of their schedule and, and uh, what we need to do is schedule 
a getaway from schedule. You ought to have that in your week. You ought to have that in your day, where you have time where you talk together. Schedule a getaway, an escape from schedule, so that the two of you have set aside priority and time to connect and, and talk and communicate. Second thing, the second thing that sometimes hinders marriage communication uh, besides schedule is children. Now, isn't that amazing? Because children are the product of intimacy, and, and yet, uh, in reality, sometimes they can become its greatest hindrance. And children that God has given you as a gift can actually wedge between you and, and, and uh, demand so much of your uh, focus and energy that you actually sacrifice your communication and relationship uh, with the one that God's given you to walk through life. Boy, they're demanding, are they not? They come into the world screaming. I remember when Tara was born, uh, there was a child screaming down the hall. Back in those days, the guys didn't go back, you know, with, with, the, with the wife. And so Tara was born down the hall, and I was in there with some church people, and we heard this child screaming unbelievably violently and they said uh, uh, somebody said that's your child or you know kidding me and I said no that's not my daughter and it was she entered the world screaming and it was several years before we weaned her off of that and uh, just 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 demanding just demanding wanting comfort and we, we have to comfort and dress and feed and, and, and entertain them and we can, we can, because of that, neglect the love and cherish part of our vows to each other. And, and let me, can I just say this to young parents? Listen to me. Here's what's going to happen. You have your first child, you can say, oh, I can't ever leave them. I can't ever, no, I can't, no, no. Wait till the second or third one, and you'll just be locking them in a drawer. I'm kidding. But, but reality, you wake up to reality, and it's like, it's, they won't die. I'll leave them with Papa and Mimi, you know, and, and, um, and, and, and it becomes easier as you have more children. If you don't take time away, then your relationship's going to suffer, and you need to, you need to cultivate um, healthy dialogue, because your kids are going to be gone one day. And you may find yourself married to a stranger. If all you do is communicate with your kids, invest in your kids, spend time in your kids, you may wind up married to a stranger that you haven't really connected with in years. And so it's very important. Third thing, this is really simple, and this is a great hobby horse for a Baptist preacher, television. Okay? And uh, if you're not careful, and, and the reason I just simply throw this out here is because sometimes we feel like that we're communicating when we sit down and hit the button and something comes up. And I want to say, unless it's college football, you're wasting your time. Okay? Or maybe swamp people. But anyhow, uh, you're, you're wasting your time. Americans, on an average, spend 44 hours a week watching live TV. Wait a minute. And then they tack on an additional six hours for recorded shows. So sometimes if we're not careful, we can overdose. Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. But we can overdose on mindless shows. Okay? And, and uh, it, 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 it can steal time together if we're not careful. Another reason why we don't communicate is because of fear of conflict. Now, if you were brought up in a house to where there was a lot of shouting and a lot of yelling whenever there was a disagreement, you may shy away from naturally honest and open and healthy communication uh, with each other. Now, let me give you some good news. You ready? Ready for good news? Okay, here's the good news. 
The good news is that healthy relationships have disagreements. Okay? You're saying, preacher, ours is really healthy then. I mean, we're in great shape, you know. No, no, it's, it's a normal part of a, of a healthy marriage. If a couple, listen, if you're not having conflicts, it's only for one reason, because you're not communicating. Either, either uh, you know, e- e- either somebody is lording over the relationship or, or somebody's afraid to talk. It's an abusive relationship. And, and the reality of the, of the matter is that uh, that, that conflict, what we have to do is when conflict arises, we just have to manage it in a, in a mature manner. So, so look at me. You can't pitch a fit. You can't, you can't bring up past offenses. You have to edit yourself. You can't, you, 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 you can't get out of the box and, and go off script. You, you have to sit down as adults and come to the, the uh, a consensus on what the disagreement is and then don't resolve past ones, they're past. Work on this and get this resolved. Now, now, sometimes you may have to step away, okay, and take some time to clear your head. That's good. But just remember, just remember that just because there's a disagreement doesn't mean that, that uh, there has to be major conflict. Now, let me talk with you uh, 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 for a moment about some surface communications. Because sometimes our communication doesn't go beyond, it doesn't go beyond, it's no deeper than the surface. Okay, so a lot of times in our, in our communication with each other, there's not much really there. David Mace, uh, who's a pioneer in marriage enrichment uh, studies and conferences, <coughs> he divides communication up uh, into five different areas between a husband and a wife. First one, he says, is the cliché. And so what it is, you just learn some, you know, how are you today? You know, we do that all the time ourselves. How are you doing? Well, we're not really asking how are you doing. That's just like saying shalom in Israel. Shalom. Shalom. How are you? How's it going? What's up? You know, so we're, we're, these are just cliches we're throwing out. It doesn't have what's up. People are walking around, you know. And there, there's not a great deal of meaning to them. It, it acknowledges that a person is present, but it doesn't really have any essential meaning. And you can do that in your marriage. You can just have a life of communicating little cliches. The second level, he said, is facts. Now, facts don't require any emotional <clears throat> expression or response. You know, it's raining today. Well, there's a fact. That's a good fact. Hi, honey, it sure is hot outside. Well, there's a great fact. That's amazing. Really? That's incredible. <coughs> honey, I'm tired. All right, there's another fact that we throw out. And, and can I just say this? If your relationship is fact-based, it's really boring, okay? It's, we, you know, we ask you, to, we ask you to take a This is the question we ask you to ask yourself. What's it like being married to me? What is it like being married to me? Well, if you're, if you're just wrapped up in facts, if that's the extent of your conversation, I'll tell you, I'll help you answer that question. Boring, okay? So we have to get beyond that level. Then there's opinions. Now, this is the level where most conflicts um, occur. It's when you feel like, you know, you've got a moment 
there's a chance and you've got to express an opinion. Could be about somebody's dress. Could be about the way you mow the lawn. She doesn't like that. It could be even over something political. But there's, there's the potential for conflict there because this person values their opinion over everybody else's. Then there's the feeling level. And, and that's really dangerous. This is a danger zone because it makes us vulnerable. I want to share my feelings with you. This is how I feel. And that's a, that's a bit of a vulnerable level here. And, um, and let me just say this. I want you to listen to me. If you're married to someone and you cannot express your feelings to them, your relationship is contrived and shallow. Now that's hard, but it's true. And I've been at this enough that I'm not going to sit and just play games, you know. I, I, as a pastor, I have to be honest with truth. So if you ask me a question, don't ask, if you don't want to know the answer, don't ask me. Okay? If you don't know what I think about this, then don't ask me what I think about this. Just do it your way. But if you ask me what I think about this, I'm going to tell you what I think about it. And, and if, if you cannot express your feelings to the person that you are spending your life with, you've got a shallow relationship that definitely needs to be dredged out and worked on. It needs to be deepened. And, and then there's, there's the level of needs, and, and that's where you're asking your partner to understand your emotional core. I have a need. This is, this is what I need in life. Now, that doesn't work in a selfish marriage because in a selfish marriage, I'm working on making me happy and getting my needs met. The number one complaint in all my years of pastoring that I hear from married couples is, she's not making me happy. Pastor, he's just not making me happy. I'm not happy. I'm not happy. Well, what have you done to make them happy? And the reality of the matter, if both of us spend our life and our energy making each other happy, we'll both be happy. Our relationship will be happy. And so, so, so this is the place where empathy is vitally important. Now, this is sympathy. Ready? This is sympathy, feeling sorry for someone. That's sympathy. Empathy is defined as vicariously experiencing the feelings, thoughts, or experiences of another. That's empathy. That's, that's feeling, that's the, the ability to feel what they're feeling. God help us that we would be able to show empathy one toward another. But it's unfortunate that most couples dwell on the very first level, and that's the cliche level, and they, they don't make an effort to, to really get to know each other. And because of that, relationships lack depth. Down through the years, I've talked with different couples, and I've told you the story before of a couple that had been married 21 years. And they come sit down in front of me, and the first thing they said was, Basically, I don't, I, I, don't, I don't really know this person. And as they were sitting there, and I'm talking to them, and, and I'm listening to how flimsy their marriage really is and how <clears throat> nondescript their communication has been, I came to this conclusion. They don't like each other. It really doesn't have anything to do with love. Listen to me carefully. Listen to me. People get married because they love each other. They stay married because they like each other. We fall in love when the more important thing probably is falling in like. 
Okay? We have to learn to like each other. You like each other because you empathize and you spend time communicating with each other. And it actually develops into a best friendship that is desperately, desperately, desperately needed in our marriages today. And so it's very important that we, that we get below the surface and we start finding out, who is this person? Who is this person? What if I ask you a list of questions, what's their favorite color? What if I ask you what the likes and dislikes and the wants and what, what if I ask you that? Could you pass the test? And I, I know there's some funny things in those games we play at, at, at marriage retreats and who wins and who doesn't win. That's, that's all fun and games. But do you know who you're married to? Do you know them? Can you say, I know them better than anyone else? Or is it still sort of a mystery party? You know, I mean, have you, since the day that you committed yourself at an altar, how much better do you know them today than you did then? These are questions we have to ask each other. Because look at me, every relationship develops. This is what people think. I'm a pastor. There's my wife. Susie, raise your hand. Thank you for being here today. And so Susie is here. Guess what? Dean and Susie walked to an altar. And you know what was immediate? It was unbelievable. Their marriage was immediately perfect. Why? Because the pastor's perfect. And he helped her along. No. We were young. 19 years old. I was dumb as dirt. That was, that was my IQ level. Dirt. I was just dumb. Now, I came from a good home. But that doesn't, that, you understand what I said to begin with? Well, they're a good couple. They're going to Bible college. They're serious about God, you know? You know, they have a heart for God. Yeah, but you, you have to struggle through things. And you have to get to know each other so much that you like each other. And where, 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 where sometimes emotions and attraction wanes some, the thing that carries you through the hard times is that this is my friend. And you stick it out. There's miscommunication also. Not just surface communication, there's miscommunication. And by the way, all language is learned, okay? You learned English, all right? You learned, you, you learned English. It's funny to me, a little kid that has a bunch of siblings around them, it's amazing how advanced, how advanced their um, their communication is, you know. For instance, you know, my younger kids, they, they spoke fluently at, before they could walk, hardly. Dixie was like 18 before she said her first word. Uh, and so it just, you know, it depends on whether you're firstborn or, or second. And, and so you, you pick those things up. And so all language is learned. And so we have to, we have to go through a process of, of unlearning. Listen. If you're married, you've got to go through a process of unlearning the way you communicate or we spend our life communicating um, or miscommunicating with each other. Some things are caught, some things are taught, and there's some things you may have caught early in life that aren't going to work good for you. Can I help you with this? She didn't marry your dad. You didn't marry her mother. Okay? So... so so that kind of relationship doesn't work well. My dad was old school, World War II, tough as nails. The, and I mean this without any reservation, there's, I mean, no hesitation. He's the toughest man I've ever known in my life. 
He's just the toughest man I've ever known in my life. But his dad was raised in an orphanage. And so dad didn't have the best communication skills. Never once in my life, in my early years growing up, did my dad sit me down and teach me lessons. Now, son, here's a lesson about life. I didn't get that from dad. Okay, Never got that from dad. Now, there was a time in my life when dad sat me down and taught with me and, and helped me and gave me some advice that really came at a good time and helped me through some things. But that was not the norm. We, the rap sessions with my dad weren't good, okay? M my dad was never abusive unless I brought a, a, an ex in behavior home, which was every six weeks from school. And then there was momentary abuse. And, and that was the rap session we had, his belt and my bottom. But anyhow, I, I, I'll confess that I deserve that. My, my, dad, my dad was a great dad, never abused me in my life. I'm clowning around cutting up, but... but Never, never abused me. He's a great, great father. But my dad's voice was part of his authority. So, so if he really wanted something, he turned the volume up. Son! And, and the level of his voice let me know the seriousness of it. Okay? Hey, son, would you do that? Well, yeah, dad, I will. Son! Okay, I'm gone. You know, I'll do it. That, that, that was my dad. He, his, the volume of his voice. Never abusive, but the voice. So I grew up, I just grew up, I didn't think anything about it. So we were early married, and Susie and I had had a discussion about something we disagreed on, and I could tell she was upset at me. This was two months ago. No, I'm kidding. But anyhow, uh, I could tell she was upset at me, and I asked her a question. I said, what, what's, honey, what's wrong? I mean, you know, we're newlywed, not, I mean, you know, into our marriage a little ways, but I, I remember, I, I said, what's wrong? And she said, you yelled at me. And I said, what? What? I, I didn't yell at you. And she said, you're yelling now. And I'm like, oh. You know what I found out? I found out that my definition of raising my voice, I didn't think my voice was raised at all. But she thought my voice was raised because that's what she didn't like. And so... We've had to learn over the years how to communicate. Look at me. We've had to learn how to unlearn some things. Look at me. Just because your dad did it is no excuse. Well, that's the way I grew up. Well, ungrow up. That's what I learned. Well, unlearn. That's what I was taught. Well, unteach. Because you're not married to them. See, in my home, it was all good. And my mom was, my mom was just sweet. She worshipped the ground my dad walked on. He, by the way... Oh, my soul. You talk about somebody dependent on somebody. He loved my mom. They were, they were high school sweethearts. But that's not Dean and Susie. That's James and Maggie. So, so we have to unlearn, we have to unlearn certain things. And it, it better dawn upon us that when we walked to the altar, we married a foreigner. I'm not talking about what nation they came from. I'm talking about what language they speak. You don't speak the same language. And so... And so you, you have to learn how, you have to, learn how to, to speak that language. Jer, uh, Gary Chapman wrote a book. He talked about the five, I think there are more than that, but he talked about the five love languages. One was words of affirmation. That's what communicates. One was quality time. To one, some person, it's that quality time that speaks most of them. One was receiving gifts. One was acts of service. The other was physical touch. 
And the reality of the matter is that we must all, listen, the tragic thing in marriage is when we stop being students of the people we love, when we stop studying the person we married. Now, you studied them beforehand because you want to know how to get them to the altar. We buy flowers and we get them their favorite candy and we go out of our way, we go out of our way to communicate with them. But then we sort of, we sort of let that die off and, and, and marriage is a one-way street to people. Let me ask you this question. Do you know your spouse's love language? And if you don't, are you willing to sit down and find out what it is? What, what, what communicates to you? What can I do? How, how, do I be, how, how can I show you that I love you? How, what language is best for you? What can I do to let you know that you're appreciated and that you're loved? You ought to find out because until you do, you'll be miscommunicating. You'll be saying to her, I love you in the way that you want to hear it. And she doesn't know that language. So when you say, I love you your way, it doesn't register. It means nothing. And so we have to learn how to speak each other's language. And by the way, let me just say this before I go to my next point. Listen to me. Just knowing the language, just knowing what her language is, won't make you fluent in it. You know what makes you fluent in a language? Saying it over and over. It's practice. So the more you speak to each other in your love language, the more fluent you get at it and the more at ease it is. The better you get at talking that language and in expressing yourself. Let me, let me, talk, let me talk fourth of all about communication as a weapon, okay? I've said this before, but let me just say it one more time. Who was it that said, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It was a man that early in life got ran over by a John Deere tractor while picking up hay. Who would make a statement like that? Are you kidding me? Not only is it not biblical, but it's, it, 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 that, that doesn't even apply. That's not real in life. Yes, you can hurt each other with your words. And the Bible, the Bible is replendent with, with warnings about that. Um, Proverbs 15, verse 1, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words. What do they do? They stir up anger. Proverbs 18, 8, The words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. Proverbs 13, 3, He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life, but he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. Proverbs 18, verse 6, a fool's lips enter into contention, and his mouth calleth for strokes. James 3, 6, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and it setteth on fire, setteth on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. James 3, 8, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. So words do matter. Words do matter. There's, 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 um, there, there's pain in the words, and words can be used as a weapon. Sometimes it's a sinful, there, there, there's a sinful treatment, abuse, degrading, belittling, criticizing, focusing on everything wrong. Wow. I tell you what, I don't know how to say it, but you better take some time and think.
Because there may come a day when you are thankful. I've got friends right now that I'm communicating with that are begging me to pray for their husband or their wife that's laying in an ICU room fighting for their life. Your life can turn upside down overnight. You better thank God. You better find a place to where you can, you can look and recognize and appreciate the good in somebody because we all have bad in us. And if my wife wanted to get discontent with me, she's got plenty of ammunition, plenty of things to pick out, plenty of things to criticize. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, your life can turn upside down overnight. We have to be careful. Um, Cursing and cruel and intimidating words, that's sinful treatment. And then there's the silent treatment, okay? What's, what's, what is that? Communication's a gift. We can communicate. And since I have this gift, you know what I'm going to do? Because you made me mad, I ain't going to talk with you. You know, I ain't going to talk with you. So, I mean, here we are adults. We need, you know what we need to do? We need to take a grow-up pill in a hurry. Grow-up quick pill, you know. We, we got to grow up. And that's, that's kid stuff. Sometimes I walk in the room, the grandkids will be there, there'll be one sitting over there like this. And I always pick at them. What's going on? What's happening? I'll stop slapping them around and having fun with them, and eventually they'll start laughing. But you know what a kid does? They won't play with me. They won't play right with me. So I'm in. I'm going to And so adults give each other, give each other the, the silent treatment. And it's used, as, it's used as a weapon. By the way, do you, do you know why they use isolation in war? Because it's punishing. It's debilitating mentally. And if you get to the place to where you can't sit down and deal with things and you have to give each other the silent treatment, you've got... I know I, I, sometimes you have to postpone a discussion. I understand you've got to clear things up, let the air clear a little bit. But there should... Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. The preacher's two in the morning. We'll stay up till three in the morning. Well, it's four in the morning. Well, just miss sleep that night. Go out for breakfast. But level it out. You'll be glad you did. Last of all, and I say last of all with glee because you're staring at me like, man, would he please get over this? This is driving me crazy. So we're going to hurry. Okay, there's torture here for some of us. Communicating God's way. So, so here, here's the deal. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said, or, or the Bible said, uh, through the Apostle Paul, God likened his relationship to the church to the relationship of marriage. Man and a wife, Jesus and the church. Love your wife as Christ loved the church. Wife, submit to your husband as unto the Lord. So he said, here's a marriage. Let me, let me tell you what the marriage should be like. It should be like my relationship with you. So if that's the case, then the best place for me to find out how to be a husband to my wife and how our relationship should be, the best way to do that is really not necessarily a book on marriage, but the book on relationships. 
So if I want to, if I want to love my wife as Christ loved the church, I've got to find out how. If I want my relationship to her to be built on a godly manner, I've got to find out how. So I go to the manual, and, and I, read, I read the manual, and, and I find out that, first of all, if I'm going to love my wife as Jesus loved the church, I've got to speak love. Do you ever notice in the Bible how many times we are told that God loves us? So that's spoken love. How was I one? Did you know this? Do you know that I never saw Jesus? I've never seen him. I've never seen him. You say, preacher, I have. You ate too much pizza late at night. So I've never seen, look, I've never seen Jesus. I've never seen him. Look at me. I've never seen him, but I love him. Do you know why I love him? You know how he won me? The spoken word. You're, you're, you're pure, you're clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. It was his spoken word that won me over as a 12-year-old boy when I heard that he died for me. John 3.16 is the ultimate summation of the love of God. For God, S-O, I love that word. It's a deep word. It's a small word, but it's a big word. For God so loved the world. That's a powerful word. <clears throat> and, and it expresses the incredible, unfathomable depth of the love of God. Romans 8, 835, here's a question that's asked. Who shall separate us from the love of God, uh, 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 for the, from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Question mark. Answer is in verse 38 and 39. For I am persuaded, Paul said, that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the question is, can anything separate us from the love of God? The answer is a resounding no. He's expressed his love. Could, could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made? And every stalk on earth a quill, and every one ascribed by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. Now, if that's the love that God has for me, and He expresses it over and over and over and over again, then I have to tell Susie over and over and over and over and over again that I love her. I've got, it's got to be, it's got to be a part of our language. We express love. I counseled with a couple that were getting a divorce after years of marriage. Again, another years of marriage. They'd already made up their mind. Then they come to me to tell me that they've made up their mind. Well, that helps me none. We're not coming to you for advice, Pastor. We're coming to tell you. Okay? Why? She says, he never tells me he loves me. He said, I told you 25 years ago when we got married I loved you. If I had stopped, I would have told you. Now, I was dumber than dirt when I got married. He's below that. But anyhow, I'm just, I mean, are, are you kidding me? God says it over and over, so I need to say it over and over. I have, to, I have to express to her my love for her. The word I love, look, I love you. 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 It ought to be said over and over again. It ought to be said when you pass through in the kitchen. It ought to be said, ought to be said when you call on the phone. 
ought to be said when she walks in the room and, 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 and you're, you're watching a TV show. I'm just simply saying it's, 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 it's a language that's important to us. Second way that I communicate God's way is not do I just speak love, but I show love. Watch this. Remember the summation. For God so loved the world that He gave. So He didn't just speak it. Over and over in the Bible, He proves it. He evidences it. I love you. You know what He does? He blesses me. God shows me all the time He loves me. Why? He blesses me. He takes care of me. He provides for me. The greatest expression of God's love ever, Brother Chip, was on Calvary. If he wrote it in blazing comments across the sky, Dean, I love you, it would express not one-tenth of what he expressed through the blood of Christ on Calvary's tree. That's when he said to me more than any other time, it's the sacrifice, Dean, I love you. And, and so I just want to tell you that God, aren't you glad God didn't leave it, Brother Ernie, for us to figure out? Well, I love you. Well, how, how do I know that? No, he showed us. It's not just that for God, if that's all, for God so loved the world. Okay, well, hey, God loves us, but how much? No, no, that he gave his only begotten son. So, so if you love somebody, you not, only, you, not only, you not only speak it, you show it. Your goal in your life ought not be your happiness, it ought to be the happiness of your mate. That, that you're, it's, not, it's not your happiness. It's the happiness of your mate. That's your goal, to make them happy. And that means, by the way, swallowing things. Stop being selfish. Go against your own grain and do what makes them happy. That's, that's, that's your goal in life. And then last of all, if I'm going to love as God loves, and that's my goal, as Christ loved the church. That's, that, he gave me that. That's, here's your goal. As Christ loved the church. Well, I've got to speak it. I have to show it. And then last of all, I have to forgive. Now, you, you married a sinner. You're both sinners. So you've got two sinful people trying to harmonize their life. There's going to be need for forgiveness on both ends of the line. On both ends of the line, you're going to have to forgive each other. That's a part of life. Just in common, basic friendships, there's got to be some forgiveness somewhere. You can't harbor grudges and hold grudges. You've got to forgive. And by the way, a good step to forgiveness is asking forgiveness. I've asked my wife, she's sitting right there, to forgive. Would you forgive me? Twice in our marriage. Okay, that's a joke. But anyhow. No, I, I've sat my whole family down. Well, I'm, I'm the head of my home. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to violate my authority. No, your kids already know it. They just resent you behind your back. I'm just being honest now. I, like, I'm throwing it out. I raised six kids. I'm just telling you the truth. When you mess up, they know it. When you've acted childish, they know it. When you've been unkind, they know it. When you've been stubborn, they know it. They know every bit of it. So you might as well sit down and say, you know what, I really blew that. 
I messed up. Man, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? And, and, and I want to just tell you, that goes a long way. That goes a long way to maturity and having your children respect you for being willing to admit where you've made mistakes. I want to be transparent, and I want to be honest. Listen to this. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Now, here's the reason why we do. He gives us a measuring device. Okay, God, I'm supposed to be tenderhearted, kind, forgiving one another. But, but how do I do that? He says, here's the, here's the measuring tape. And I stretch the measuring tape, and it says, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So if I find out Chip Hall's been saying some things about me, backbiting me and criticizing me behind my back, making snide remarks about my motorcycle, what a jerk. Anyhow, so he's, 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 he's criti- so, so, so why do I forgive Chip? I forgive him not because I think Chip deserves it or that Chip's a great guy. I forgive him for Christ's sake. Do you know why God forgave Dean? He didn't forgive Dean because Dean's a great guy. He forgave Dean because there's a great Savior who died for Dean's sins. So whether you forgive somebody or not doesn't show what you think of them. It shows what you think of Christ for Christ's sake. Even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. So in, in our marriage, we have to bury the hatchet. Don't go to bed. Don't go to bed harboring bad feelings. Somebody said one time, how do you move a beaver dam? One stick at a time. Just don't wait till all these things pile up. It's a lot more difficult. Let's bow our heads, could we? Communication. Communication. It's vital in relationships. In particular, it's a vital in marriage. It's vitally important in marriage that you learn to communicate. And, and look, we, every marriage has to make adjustments. You have to reprioritize. You've got to say, okay, we're, we're off kelter. Stop. Time out. Let's get it back. Let's get back on track. It's very easy to lose communication. You get busy. Schedule gets in the way. Hobbies, television, whatever. But you stop talking to each other. There'll be a time in your life that voice will grow silent. And you'll would to God you could talk. Sometimes just trivial, nonsensical talk. You'll miss the voice. Cherish it today, my friend. today and you don't know Christ, He expressed His love to you on Calvary, and you can know Him today. Don't leave without talking to us. We'll show you from God's Word how you can be saved. Father, bless us and help us and use us today, I pray. God, help us, I pray, in our marriages to be stronger in our connection. Help us to listen 
with the heart. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.